Hey everyone, this is Annie Tevlin, founder of Skin Owl Skincare and your host of Off the Record, the podcast. From years of helping people with their skin, it dawned on me that when you're talking to people about their skin, be it acne or aging, the conversation so often becomes about one's insecurities, lack of self-worth, and how to reconcile who they are while living in the skin they're in. The road to healing one's skin is not solely paved with a good face oil or eye concentrate, but with an openness that I have felt so fortunate to be on the other end of. This vulnerability motivated me to start a podcast, this podcast, one that has evolved into a magnetic epicenter of amazing humans telling their story in a truly raw and transparent way. Join me every Monday as my guests and I dive deep into universal truths by way of humor, heartache, and hope. Now it's just you and me, I respect your privacy. What happens here when I believe this room? So lock the door, put me to my lips Cause I can't say I got what I would do Off the record with you Off the record with you In the beginning of Skin Owl, a dear mentor shared one epic piece of advice with me that I believe forever changed the trajectory of Skin Owl. She said, Hire someone to talk about your brand. And after a while, you won't want to be the only person sharing its magic. Now, while there were probably many more important shoes to fill when starting my skincare business, i.e. a bookkeeper, administrative assistant, customer service rep, or social media manager, I opted for a publicist as my first hire. I wanted my story to be seen, and just as my mentor suspected, it felt indulgent to keep talking about my own product and my own experience with it. I wanted other people to experience what I had created as a result of my journey with cystic acne. And after sit-downs with many a publicity firm, I met Rachel Johnson, a la RLJPR, who slowly began making the rounds and telling my story. After a month of minimal attention from the press, Rachel sat me down and said the following, Annie, publicity is a marriage, not a one-night stand. One day, someone will tell your story, and that will be the day that everything changes. And already I'm starting to get choked up. And boy, was she right. <laughs> Q, February 1st, 2015, five days before my 34th birthday. I remember waking up to a series of chimes coming from my iPhone that at that time were few and far between. For the record, that chime was the Shopify sound effect when someone places an order on skinowl.com. It was relentless. 10 every hour for seven hours. I couldn't believe what I was seeing or hearing. Did Oprah just put Skin Owl on her favorite thing show? Has there been a terrible mistake? And on further investigation, the sales were for one product, the now retired Mangosteen Beauty Drops. After an hour of panic-inducing chimes, I went into my Google Analytics and saw that a story had been published detailing my 2009 trip to Vietnam, wherein I was first exposed to the Mangosteen fruit, which ultimately inspired the product's inception. The article title read, The Woman Obsessed with Mangosteen, the author Rachel Brown, who now sits as editor-in-chief of Beauty Independent, i.e. the Bible of all things beauty and business. And she, for one, has a very long tenure in journalism. Prior to her role at Indie uh, Beauty Business Publications, she was West Coast beauty editor at Women's Wear Daily and covered consumer industries for the Los Angeles Business Journal. She started her career in journalism writing about local government, and as rapper Drake might summarize, Rachel started from the Merced Sun Star, and now she's here. It should be said that this piece of journalism changed everything for my homegrown brand. It was the article that put Skin Owl on the map and gave Skin Owl its first taste of street cred. I often choke up, as seen by right now, when I think about those days, the innocence and the awe, the shock and the surprise, when someone actually cares about you and your story. And for those reasons and more, I wanted to bring Rachel Brown's story to light today on Off the Record. She is a true champion of not only getting the story, but getting it right. She is honest, fair, and celebrates the human experience. So Rachel, consider this episode my thank you, my opportunity to celebrate you, and my hope that you know oy, how important your involvement is in so many people's lives. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rachel Brown to the Off the Record Zoom room today. Welcome, Rachel, start talking so I can take a breath. <laughs> wow, Annie, that's so nice. Um, I mean, to be honest, ironically, I don't you I don't write very many consumer facing stories um, since I mostly write trade publication articles, and and that was a rare piece of uh, consumer facing. Uh, it was it was crazy. 
that you did um, for well and good. And they were very impactful. And I presume still are at sales. And to be honest, I don't usually like doing consumer facing articles. I mean, I feel a lot of pressure always to do articles, but especially when you're recommending something or you feel like you're, even if you're not even recommending just writing about it, but you feel like you're giving some stamp of approval and people might go and buy something and they're spending money that they could otherwise spend on food or on who knows what else yes. and helping somebody else on their shelter. Um, and I'm, I feel lucky to kind of be insulated by that from that most of the time and to just focus on supporting entrepreneurs and then they can sell, <laughs> they yes. can recommend, like they can sell the price. And I'm a little bit insulated from that. Um, so it's, it's funny to kind of remember that um, and to bring me back a little bit, but I'm, you know, I'm glad it, it is obviously so wonderful that it had an impact on you, but in general on me, I feel very, um, skittish when it comes to doing those sorts of pieces in case, you know, they're not all skin owls out there. They're not all like amazing brands. They're not all amazing companies behind them. Um, and you know, every time a writer or somebody writes about them, somebody buys it. Yes. That's a lot of responsibility. which I like to hand out to off to other people mostly. (laughs) It it was such an incredible day. Like, did you, when you write an article like that, and I know uh, to your point, like consumer facing articles are kind of a rare breed for you now, but back in the day or in your history of writing these articles, like, do you know the power as you're writing it? Like, do you know that you have a, a real penchant for storytelling in a way that makes it approachable and makes it relatable and makes someone you know, it takes so much for someone just to read something and then say, I'm going to go buy that product. And that article did that. I mean, it really did. And it was my first time experiencing like, wow, okay, this is like the power of the internet. This is the power of a story. When you write something like that, do you, do you see the weight of it? I really, I basically don't think anybody's ever going to read anything that I ever write. And for the most part, I don't really... And if I were to think about that all the time, I don't think I could do anything. I'd be like completely paralyzed. Yeah, I really don't. I don't think about it. And oftentimes I don't hear anything. I mean, like your story, like I don't hear that very often. You know, sometimes I have a, like, cause I, right now I, I don't write for any consumer facing publications. So, you know, sometimes I'll have friends like pissed off about what it says and the, that impact. Um, or sometimes I'll have brands who contact me and, you know, will say, oh, you know, so-and-so retailer read it or whatever. But generally, I really have a, I'm very disconnected from the impact yeah. it, it, such that there is. And I, I don't think about it. Yeah. I wish more people would share that with you because there's a massive impact and I get it, right? You said like, not every story is a skin owl story. Like you're talking about business and yeah. numbers and consumerism and, and some of the like, un, you know, sexy stuff in, on the business world, but maybe unsexy on the, uh, you know, kind of romance comedy world. And it's, it's, it is, it's real. I mean, you, uh, you really have a gift for it. Why, why journalism? Like, why was that something that you wanted to do from a very, I mean, from your early career days. Well, I started out wanting to be a political journalist. Um, I was really interested in politics, you know, from that from an early age, for sure. Like I, I, you know, I interned on local campaigns when I was and I didn't. And then I went I was a political science major in college and I I did it. You know, I did what political science majors do. I did an internship in Washington. We had like, you know, a study not abroad program in D.C. with my college that I went to. And um, so I like was exposed to other careers in Washington, including like, you know, was I going to go try to like work in Congress or, uh, you know, would I try to be a lawyer or, you know, other avenues? And I those just didn't appeal to me that much. Yeah. Um, You know, I was always a decent writer, I guess. My dad had wanted to be a poet, um, but then he got, he famously in his mind, like got turned down from all the writing schools. So his life of non-creativity was handed to him. And so I went in, went into journalism originally to be a political journalist. So that, that's what brought me to journalism. And then, you know, things take the turns that they do. And I don't think I was, I don't think I was a very good political journalist, to be honest. I, not that I'm better at this, but 
you know, I did, I liked it. I liked covering like the minutia of local government, but I didn't have the, uh, um, like competitive edge. Yes. Uh, you know, when, um, I worked at the sun star, which is a very, very small publication, a very small town. And I liked that. I liked being in a small town and kind of being the paper of the underdog as it's a poor town in central California, but it ended up being at, uh, the center of a very big story at the time. It was right before 9-11. People maybe my age remember this. There was a uh, famous scandal of an intern that was murdered. Uh, her name was Chandra Levy. And uh, mm. the Congressman Garrett Gondit, I'm going to pronounce all these things wrong, but was in the news at the time. And he happened to be our congressman in. So all of a sudden I was like walking down the street and I saw my cousin. I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, he was a reporter for Newsweek and he had like been sent to cover the story and the town ended up being swamped with all these reporters. And I ended up being one of the reports, the local paper trying to cover it. Now there was another report of the local paper who really wanted to cover it. He wanted to get in the big story. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to, I don't really care about just being at the, you know, I have the storm on a big story. I would, but I would go to the press conferences and people actually like punched me and like shoved me at a press conference. I was like, we're all going to hear the same shit. Yes. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to be that. just not, doesn't mean that much to me. I'm not going to like punch somebody to get in front on front on a press conference. And if that's, what's going to take to get ahead in this business, then I'm just not going to be cut out for it. Um, so I left, I went back to, graduate school, I got a public policy degree and I thought I was going to be like, just kind of like a page pusher um, in the government or something like that. But I really missed journalism after that. And I was a low level person at a consulting firm after that. And like, and journalism gives you access, you, you know, you don't get paid a lot. You don't, there's, you know, especially in newspaper reporting, there's not a lot of perks really. Right. Um, but you get access. That's the perk. You get to talk about high level things right away. Even if you're, you know, 22, which I was at the time, you know, in my early twenties and it's exciting. Every day is something new. It's never boring. And I like talking to people. Um, and so I really missed it when I went to work at a non-journalism job. So, a, a position at the LA business journal had come up and I saw it and I applied and they hired me. And then I got put on business things and I, I much preferred doing business reporting. It wasn't, it was, wasn't as cutthroat and, you know, because not, it didn't have the competition that um, political journalism had. And so it became kind of my niche and, you know, I, and so I started covering consumer goods there and yep. now, and they, you know, eventually I got narrowed down to beauty at women's wear and now beauty independent. So wow. that's how I got doing business journalism. I mean, what was that like to all of a sudden pivot and start talking about beauty? You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a it beast. wasn't a all of a sudden thing. You know, I, when I was at the LA business journal, I covered every consumer facing industry that, but only for LA companies. So I covered hospitality, I covered beauty, I covered mostly apparel. Um, Cause there's a huge, you know, fashion industry in LA. Um, so I did all of that. And then when I first went to women's wear, which had hired a bunch from, from the LA business journal at the time for their West coast office. Um, I also was doing kind of a hodgepodge of stuff, beauty among them, but it just so happened at the time, uh, you know, there was a lot of brands coming up in LA, like, you know, skin owl, obviously, yes. but like Smashbox and Too Faced and urban decay, which is in orange County, but you know, and so they needed somebody to cover a lot of the brands. I didn't just do beauty for most of my, my women's wear career, but it was something that I enjoyed. It was something that I understood more. I think I was never like a huge fashion person, but even, you know, I, I just, you know, beauty is more accessible yes. to, you know, broader, you know, swaths of people. And it was something I sort of understood better. And so I, and there was a need there. So that's, kind of what led me to eventually focus on beauty, but it wasn't an, it, it was definitely a gradual thing. Yeah. If someone just like came up to you today and said, okay, Rachel, you get to write about this. Like you're, this is now where you get to write about this. What is your, what would be your favorite thing that you knowing all that you know about journalism, what would be the most 
how, how, why am I having trouble phrasing this? I need, I need a writer in the building to help me with my grammar right now. What would be the best? Right what would be a, beauty or just within so in, a, in general? Anything. Yeah, it's a magic wand. Someone can say like, okay, you're going to start writing about X starting now. Like, what well, would be I, your I dream? Do, I like in beauty and in you know writing. What I do now, I love writing about entrepreneurs that maybe don't have their story told elsewhere, and I think it's oftentimes hard to do that because maybe their stories aren't told us or for a reason, you know, maybe they are picked up by the marquee retailer or they don't have the like jazzy PR or whatever. So, you know, I think there's, there are brands that we've covered that, you know, for whatever reason, didn't get a lot of coverage before. Um, and that's always really nice. Yes. And, you know, it's a humbling position to be in, to be able to spotlight some brands that, you know, maybe don't get the spotlight elsewhere. So that's always great, especially if they, you know, have an interesting story, you know, and if they've overcome adversity, you know, that always is yes. not to be like sappy about it, but, you know, it's always nice to be able to do that, to give somebody the, the spotlight they deserve and that they haven't been given elsewhere. Absolutely. Um, so that's always great. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, things that overlap with society and politics, um, there are sometimes hard things to cover, but I think that I like, it. sometimes I like other people covering it and then yeah. editing it and then putting it in because sometimes they can do a better job than me, especially now. And I have like, so people always ask us to do these big stories on things like, um, and I'm always like, you don't understand the constraints we're on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, so it's, it's hard to do those things, but, um, yeah, like you know, we you don't want to do this job to me, to me personally. I don't want to. I mean, I love that you, you you sold products, but in the end of the day, if like the only impact I ever have is like some people buy some skincare or some people buy some eyeshadow, like I don't. Not to say that I think eyeshadow and skincare are important, and you know, I think in a way, and beauty is always going to be part of our. You know, I think yes. it is intrinsic to us every species, yes. you know, you know, peacocks, preen, and you yes. know, um, it's, there's something, you know, it's part of the meaning ritual. Um, so I think that there is something intrinsic about beauty to life, but so it's not unimportant, but at the same time, I want to, you know, there, I want to make some change, you know, I want to maybe, you know, do a small dent in the wealth gap, or, uh, you know, you yes. know, make, make, uh, entrepreneurs more diverse. So I think that's important. And, you know, I don't know, maybe if I'll be in beauty forever and covering beauty forever, and maybe I'll eventually wind my way back to politics. But I think my interest in that remains, I'm still interested in the public good overall. Yes. Um, and I'm not thinking, I don't say like every story that we do is going to improve society. It's not. Um, but if like 1% make some sort of dent, then that'll make me sleep better at night. Do you have a favorite story that you've written? <laughs> well, I sort of, do I have a favorite story that I've written? I have favorite stories that I've edited and other people have done, but you know, I've oftentimes it's like, it's stupid stuff. Like I like this story that I wrote about Sofia Vergara when I was at women's wear, cause I really liked my lead. Um, you know, it was like a wordplay. I like said, you know, she has more angles than curves. I really like, I remember that one. Yes. You know, so there's things like that. Like just, you know, I just, I thought it was clever. I love that. Um, and, uh, you know, but yeah, there, I definitely have, like we, we wrote a story and I'm going to mispronounce the brand name. So I'm, I really don't want to do it, but like about, a Native American brand. It wasn't, I didn't write it. Um, Amanda on our team wrote it on the IBE team, wrote it um, about, you know, what it was like for her to lead her brand during the pandemic. I really liked that brand. Um, one of my first stories was with um, uh, the Honeypot and Beatrice Dixon there. And she just is like full of life. And uh, it was great to cover her brand out of the gate um, and she's such a big personality and she would go on, of course, to be in Target and do all these great things and, you know, be a part of a national commercial that uh, had a backlash um, in these kind of, you know, racially charged times that we're in. Uh, 
And uh, I, you know, one of the first stories was also a profile on a founder from, from Molly with Love, who went through a lot in her life, um, you know, overcome alcoholism and things like that. Uh, so you know, those kind of stories and delving into a person's journey yes. is something that I really enjoy. Yeah, it's like the human condition. I think that's yeah. like what you know, yes, right? On my end of it, that day when that Skin Owl article went live, it was like nobody had bought and not, nobody had bought shit <laughs> for Skin Owl. You know, it was like right. occasionally I would hear that ding. So then to wake up and hear what I thought was like a, you know, a dream. And, and honestly, I had like so much anxiety because I was like, how, the, what do you, what do we do? Like, I've never shipped 70 orders in a day. Like, it was just a crazy thing. There's like the receiving end of it. And then there's the other side of it. There's like the, 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 what was so impactful about that day for me was the human condition story. It was the fact that you saw me, you know, and by default you saw Skin Owl, but how many people have been on the other end of that with you? It is, it's a very selfless job, I would imagine. You know what I mean? It's just like you're out there writing these stories, saying these things. You know, you're honest. You're fair. I'm not. I'm not going to say that every single article you write is like puppy dogs and rainbows. Like you, it's the truth of the scenario is what you are so good at doing, and and the accuracy. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think you know, I, I I don't think it's a selfless job at all. And a lot of times, journalists are or people in media are accused of being the opposite. It's, it's not a selfless job. It's you know, it's like I'm taking up your time, you know, I'm, I'm pushing in and taking up people's time. Um, and I'm doing it for my reasons too. Yeah. So it, you know, it goes both ways. It's not selfless. And, but I, you know, I do, I am very old school. Um, you know, I'm not really on social media. I'm, I just don't like it very much. I'm, you know, I come from the sort of time in journalism when, you know, you weren't the story. And that's not because, like, that's because it's better not, it's, like, better not to be a story, I think. You know, I, I yes. don't know. I mean, there are people who have great stories, and there's a lot of wonderful first-person journalism, and I, I don't want to denigrate that at all, at all, at all, because I think that there's some great things in that. But it's also sometimes great to not be the story and to tell somebody else's story. I'm not saying it's, like, it's, I get a lot out of it too. It's not, it's not selfless at all. I really like, I'm like, when I have good stories or talk to women who really do go on the journey, like it, it is, it, it is, it is like inspiring to me. That doesn't happen every day. Like, especially now, like I, you know, at the very beginning of Beauty Dependent, when we were like, nobody, I could just write anything I want. Like who cared about clicks or who cared about subscribers? You know, in fact, at that time, we didn't have a monetized model. So I could just write about whoever I wanted. And so actually, like when you ask me that, a lot of those stories are from early on. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was a joy. Like it wasn't that it was because like it was, it was, you know, very. Yeah. The innocence was like, there. Yes. you know, I don't know. Like it, it, it can be, you know, very satisfying um, to be able to write a good story and to tell something that you don't think somebody else is. That's super, super satisfying. Now the day to day isn't necessarily like that. Um, but you know, when it, when it's right. And when you think you're doing something of value, then you know, it's when your cup is full. Yes, I totally get it. I mean, you know, you, you spoke to this a little bit and I can imagine as the entire world changed, so did what people were writing about. Um, I saw a big shift right at the start of COVID and the pandemic where it was like, nobody really knew what to write about. There were such bigger things at stake that some of the beauty editors that, you know, the birdies and the, even the Vogues and the allures, it was like to talk about this compact eyeshadow just seems like, kind of insulting. Like it just felt like nobody really knew where to go. How did you, your journalism pivot during that time? I mean, where just internally, what did you feel? Was there a reckoning? Was there any kind of battle that you were like kind of fighting inside about what was important during this time? Or was it? It's where, you know, like, because we are not consumer facing, it's a little bit different. And at that time, of course, internally, like the parent company was going through a lot of changes. And so like we, 
we, not me necessarily, but like the overall. So we had to deal with a lot of the same, I don't know, issues that every company had to deal with. So there was that. Um, but we are like cover businesses. So like there was so much to do, uh, you know, we wanted to see what was going on at the very beginning. It was all like, um, it's, it's like even hard to remember now, but everyone to conserve cash Yes, and everybody was like holding back. Um, so like we recovered a lot about that, like what you should do now, it, there's a huge recession. I mean, there was a recession, but it wasn't maybe to the link that it was anticipated but you know so it was a lot of that and of course like the overall things like what people will really be buying during this time so I don't think we had the same I don't know panic is the right word but uh you know the same hesitancy that maybe somebody in a consumer facing publication might have had because right away we were like what can we do to help businesses you know what kind of information can we provide yes um you know at that time like our webinar started and we had like at we put up like a resource page on our website it's down now um you know to to talk about all the resources available to businesses so it was really a time of like crazy activity um and energy almost to keep people afloat and to keep ourselves afloat. And we didn't know what was going to happen. And it turned out like for digital businesses, which Beauty Independent is one, it was like a good time. Uh, Business-wise, obviously not, you know, with horrible consequences for human life, but business-wise for us, um, it, it turned out to be a time when people were really focused and they really on finding information and so in that way um yes we were we were one of the destinations that they were going to well and it was like a very you know for better or worse like newsworthy time when it comes to businesses right like the amount of information that you guys had and were able to provide uh just from someone who was reading it you know daily like oh i'd like to see how these businesses are pivoting during this time i'd like to see how people are dealing with supply chain you know like this is all it it provided a um kind of a hub for <laughs> business owners not to feel so alone you know right. with a lot yeah. of the the coverage right and and that's our you know our, our what we do like you know part of our mission in general because a lot of times beauty entrepreneurs are you know, even if they're not solo entrepreneurs, you know, the, the, their job is, can be very isolated and, and especially during this time. So yeah, it was to make people feel not alone, to see if we could do things to share resources and to create connections. Um, and yeah, it was a very newsworthy time, not to say that every day is newsworthy, uh, but you know, it was a time when people were really focused on news and information because there was so much uncertainty. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What would you tell someone? I just like thought about like, you know, little Rachel, <laughs> you know what I mean? Little Rachel, like imagining her like coming into, you know, journalism school or writing for a local paper now, like what would you, what advice would you give for someone who is listening to this and maybe their child sitting in the back seat, senior in high school, and it's like, I want to be a journalism major. I want to. I want to be a writer. Like this is awesome. I'd love to write about this. Like, what would be your true advice for someone who wants to get into your field? My true advice would be run as fast as you can <laughs> away from that. And that's really my true advice that I give to people. It's you know, like, I love that. It's like else to do. I mean, if I had to do it over again, I would not have been a journalist. I, I don't think I would have. It was. It's a lot. I mean, I went through the period of transition with the internet, um, you know, even prior to the, you know, the, the great recession, which was horrible. Like the journalism business is really, really hard. It's been really hard. I mean, every year for most of the years I've been in journalism, I've been around people being fired and getting cuts and morale has been low. And I don't know, it's like, it's, I can't exit it. Like, it's just, I am still, it's just, it is, the thing about it is it is a fun thing to do for the most part. And it's hard to get away from it because something else is just not as interesting. Yes. <laughs> how I've tried. And that's, that's why I say run away before you get involved, because when you get involved, you might, you might want to stay. And it's really like, it's hard to stay. 
I mean, I think I want I want the new generation to come up with new business models for media, for good media, for quality journalism, not for, you know, top 10 lists or clickbait or celebrity journalism or things like that. Not to say there's, you know, wrong things with every celebrity, but if this new person who wants to go into journalism is thinking about it, think about also the business side. Not that like, I'm not, a, I'm I, no, people ask me advice all the time. Cause I cover entrepreneurs like business advice. I'm like, I, I don't run a business. Like I write for a living. That's like literally the worst business you could be in. Um, nobody values it. Everybody thinks it should be free. So, you wow, know, yes, I, yes. I, so I, I think that they should be thinking about the business models and you really only should do this if you can't do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a trust fund too. <laughs> I, I apparently can't do anything else. I don't know. They like, it seems like people try to run me out of this business and I'm like, I guess I, I don't know. I can't Yeah, leave. You're like, I'm here to stay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people always say like, write as much as you can. Yes. Write as much as you can. Um, and now I guess you have to be on social media, have a voice, all those things. It's um, totally changed. Like, ask yourself, is there anything else you enjoy? <laughs> it's, it has changed. I think like these types of, I mean, you have a, a digital presence and the entire digital landscape has changed so drastically. I mean, I think I, I literally just went back and read that article that you wrote. And it's like, that was 2015. Like, I, it wasn't that, that long ago. It's no. not like we're talking about 2002. Like, I'm graduating college. Like, this, it's, it was, like, kind of recent. You know what I mean? And then to look at, like, what the, just the, even the ads and, like, what was, what's now existing on that page, it's like, it almost feels archaic, you know? Yeah, I mean, since that, I mean, that was in Well and Good. I didn't write that much for Well and Good. Um, but the original founders, Melissa and Alexa, were, like, very innovative. and. I, I mean, I don't know what it's like over there, but it, it seems like it's changed to me just from a, like a consumer reading it. Yep. It's sold. You know, this is what happens in journalism. A property gets okay. It sells. There's a new parent company in general. Not saying that this is what's happening well and good, but, you know, they squeeze it for all it's worth and it turns into something else. It's just, it's a hard, it's, it is a hard business to be. Every business is hard. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, you know, there are other like, you know, Beauty is hard. Every business is hard. So, you know, but. Amen to that. That's real. You know, so I don't know, like, if I'm telling, I feel like I'm giving that advice. And another person was to be like, I became a social worker and that was a shit show. Um, you know, so I don't, I, I don't want to give advice. No, I mean, it's like um, no good deed goes unpunished. And I think yes. like, maybe that's what I meant. Like when I say selfless is like, I don't know, there's just it's a lot. It seems like it's a lot to cover and to, con I mean, it's it on one hand, it's like a new, it's so exciting because it's new content every single day. You know what I mean? And like, not a lot of jobs would provide that for people. So it's, I can imagine like going into a new career, it might be a little not boring or lackluster, but just, it's not maybe a stimulating. That's a word that I'll use. And so like, that's exciting. Um, and that's something that I think people get used to. You know, it's like, I think about that with entrepreneurship. No day is ever the same. There's fires that you're constantly putting out. And most days it's like hell on earth. But then you have those other days that are just really fantastic and make it all worth it. And so you stay, you know what I mean? Like you stay, you stay because the, hopefully the pros overweigh the cons, but that doesn't mean that the cons aren't loud at times. Yeah. I mean, that, I think it's very similar in a way. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you. You have to perform every day. I mean, it, especially in my job now, I mean, there's like, there's no off switch at all. Um, so I feel like I, even though I'm not an entrepreneur, um, I definitely feel very aligned in a way, or I understand a lot of the pressures that are on um, entrepreneurs every day. Like yep. the, even though I'm, I'm not the owner, you know, and I, I'm not an entrepreneur, like the buck stops with me at Beauty Independent, the revenues are because I mean not because of me only I mean Claire and Taylor and Jane you know I, we have a, a team um, but if I don't write for the next day or if I don't I'm, I'm responsible for every piece that goes in it I edit all the pieces so if like I don't then they like they could lose their job you know right like so every day that's dependent on me so yeah there are no days off so I understand that 
Um, that's not the case of every journal to me. People are part of big teams and stuff like that. I'm yeah. not I'm part of a very, very small team. And so each member of the very small team has a lot of weight on their shoulders, but you know, but yeah, but then at the same time, there's just, there's power in that. Um, you know, I, if I don't want something to run, I can say, I don't want it to run. <laughs> um, uh, or if I, you know, so that is also, you know, yes. one of the things to sign up for. The dichotomy is, is real. And I think that's just, I appreciate your candidness. I appreciate your honesty because that's, it, it is, I think, especially in today's world. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast lately, but just like, the nuance is kind of missing. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, oh, you're a journalist and you're the editor-in-chief of Beauty Independent? Like, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's huge. What an honor. That's so big. And of course, it is. You were right. chosen out of a, a massive group of people that are writing in the world. And <laughs> also, that is all false. <laughs> it was not chosen out of a massive group of people. I was like, you know, like probably fourth or fifth on a lot of people who said no. I was the person like stupid enough to take the job. So um, it was not like that at all. Uh, so no, there wasn't a mass amount of people who would ever want to do this. Believe me. That is hilarious. Uh, well, that's good that you're sharing that because it's it, no, it, 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 definitely true. I mean, I had gotten fired from women's wear right before it. And I was like, let me do anything. And, this, and Nader, whose idea was my boss, whose idea was, Beauty it's like, I have this idea. And I was like, oh, great. Let me work all the time on this because otherwise I can think about how terrible my life is after I just got fired. So like that was, and then, and then four years later, I'm like, oh my God, I'm still working all the time on this. Okay. We're taking a quick break with my conversation with Rachel Brown um, to talk about StoryWorth. You guys know my love for StoryWorth. I think I've StoryWorth, and I'm using this now as a verb. I've StoryWorth three people. My mom, my dad, my father-in-law, and I jumped at the chance to have this amazing company as a sponsor of the podcast because this holiday season, listen, there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm not saying I'm not um, into shopping for things um, for people that I love because I have a two-year-old and let me tell you the amount of things, whether it's a slide, whether it's a basketball hoop, whether it's magnetiles, I mean, we're, we're good on things. But what is the most important thing to me is finding things out there on the internet that gift my loved ones things that make them feel special and unique, just like the relationship that we share, um, which is why if you are not one of the three people that I just named, you're getting story worth this year. I'm just put, it's, I'm, it's a sneak, it's not even a sneak peek. I'm just telling you, I am super into gifting people that I care about story worth. And it does not need to be grandparents. It doesn't need to be parents. It can be anybody with an amazing story. Anybody who you want to commemorate can get a story worth. So let me, I'll just quickly break down what it is. It's an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. Um, it's thoughtful, it's meaningful, and it's, it's, it's super approachable because story worth essentially does all the work every week. StoryWorth emails your relative or a friend a thought-provoking question of your choice. You get to choose. When you sign up for StoryWorth, it goes through all the questions, um, and you get to choose what are the things that you want to know about this person, or what are the things that you want to preserve about this person's story. Um, what would you want to essentially have uh, generations after this person know about that person? Um, questions like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out about your life? You know, what was it like fighting? in the war? What was it uh, like meeting uh, dad? You know, tell me about your first date. It's so great. And after one year, uh, StoryWorth compiles all of these stories, including photos, into this beautiful keepsake book. Um, we have my parents, we, we did it in, in one. So my mom and my dad, they both did it for a year, separate books. And then at the end, StoryWorth combined their book, their questions. And now it's one big book for like as a dedication to my mom and dad, and we're gifting it to Monty. And now it lives as a coffee table book. Um, but it will be a way that Monty will really get to understand kind of the nuanced stories um, that often get forgotten, uh, unfortunately, af after your loved ones pass. So uh, reading the weekly stories helps connect you with other people. Like because my parents were writing about teachers in high school and, and old friends from college, now those relationships have, have sparked. It's just awesome. It's honestly so, so, so cool. It just go. Okay. With StoryWorth, we're giving 
those people that we love the most thoughtful personal gift from the heart um, and preserving their stories for year two uh, years to come. So just go to storyworth.com slash off the record and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H.com slash off the record to save $10 on your first purchase. Um, if you guys have any questions, you can totally DM me. I'm happy to show you pics of our book. Uh, super dorky uh, for you guys to want to see pics of my family's book. But you know what? We're here for it. Um, so with that, go to storyworth.com slash off the record and save $10 off your first purchase of StoryWorth. Okay, let's get back to the conversation with Rachel. Love you guys. I mean, so this this begs the question, like I just have to ask, let's say, you wake up tomorrow, kind of like Groundhog Day, the alarm clock goes off, you're ready to go and do the things that you didn't finish in your inbox from the night before, have some breakfast, and then all of a sudden... I'll show you, I'll show you my inbox in a second. Uh-huh. I'm going to throw yeah. up. I'm going to throw up looking at it. But let's just say... No, no it's, it's, actually, it's actually turned into like a, a, a joke amongst everybody I know. You're okay. like, normally you see when people's like little, you, like, can you look at this bottom? See, okay. So for those of you listening, I'm looking at a number on her mailbox that says 524,793. That's usually because people don't sync their box. I actually believe that you have that many unread emails. That's how many unread emails I have. But it, to be honest, no, they're not from people, but it's, I think it's like a joke. It's, it's, a, you know, cause I sign up for like every, literally every brand yes. in the whole universe sends me emails because I sign up for, but you know, whenever people talk about my email box, I, 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 I was, I went to a bachelorette party over the weekend and I, I didn't show it to anybody, but somebody looked at my phone that they like had a conniption fit. I mean, so. that's the type of thing like that is actually what the internet is for. That's just something that you should screenshot and say, if you are sending me an email that says, I just want to float I'm, this to the top of your inbox, like yeah, take I'm a like, fucking ticket. I have over 500,000 other unread emails to get you before I get to you. I think instead of so. clocking like 1 million followers, you should clock your emails. And like every yes. single time you get closer to 1 million, like does, does the iPhone even know how to put 1 million in that little area? I don't know. I, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see, um, you know, like people get stressed out about it. I'm like, I don't care. Like who cares about the unread emails? I Absolutely. think it's funny now. So I like, you know, if, somebody wants to see it. Oh my God. Well, you're definitely going to like panic attacks. The holidays are coming. So I would say like a quarter of those are definitely like crate and barrel. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. It's like get in your black Friday purchases early. Probably. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I mean, to that point and kind of where I was going with this, which I'm, I'm excited to hear this answer. There was a question there that I ignored. Let's just say you're like, you're getting up for breakfast. You're looking at the 524,000 email or unread. You're not looking at the 524,000 emails. And right as you like look at the TV to see this morning's news, it says like journalism is gone. There is no Mm. more journalism. Do not report to work. This doesn't exist anymore. It just vanishes. And you have to choose a new line of work. What would it be? Is couch potato an option? (laughs) If you're paid, yes. If you can, if you can safely say that it's an unpaid position then no. Is, is couch potato an option? If it's uh, like, honestly, if someone can pay you to do it, then yes. Oh yeah. Then I'll be a couch potato for sure. Um, I, I would like to really like one of the annoying things right now is like when everybody is like really into hot show, I don't have time to watch it. So like, I haven't watched squid game. I haven't watched like white Lotus. Like, I want to watch all those things. Yes. So can I just be like, I'd like to be a couch potato for a little while. Um, so mm. that's good. I don't know. I, I mean, I love journalism. I Like I said, I can't leave. But let's I say like it to... leaves you. Let's say it's gone. It doesn't exist <laughs> yeah, anymore. The, we don't well, even know the gone, word. Then we're probably going to be fighting in the streets. So, um, you know, so I'm just, I will, I will sign up to, you know, <laughs> I don't think I'd be a very good soldier. Um, so, yeah. But are there like know. other like dormant passions? Like, uh, I'm going to open up a dog rescue agency. I'm no, going no. to. I mean, no. And those aren't any of my dormant passions. My dormant passions might be to, like, you know, I mean, there are other things I'd like to write about, you know. Um, you know, like there are other areas that I might like, yeah, like to write about maybe someday. 
but I don't have other dormant passions necessarily. I like journal. I mean, I really do like it. Like, well, let's it, just hope it sticks around then, because yeah, based on your answer, around. it cannot. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to spend. I, I like to spend. I, I would like to spend more time with my family and friends. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if journalism disappears, I would become independently wealthy, and then I wouldn't have to do anything. I don't know. Maybe, I love that. Yeah. Is that an option? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, there's the lottery. There's you know, theft, if there's no journalism, then maybe like nobody's yeah. going to write about you breaking into a bank and, and holding it up. You know what I mean? These are all yeah, the pros. I, I, I would like to, I could be like Robin Hood, like <laughs> Rachel Hood. Like this I don't want to break into a bank for myself. I like, I don't have a lot of needs. So, you know, but if yeah. I could like break into a bank, if I could like, and then maybe if just like Elon Musk had, in his remaining house has like a huge safe with like trillions of dollars. And I could somehow get the code to that, which is probably like X, Y, Z, Z, buy, you know, like something like yes. that. Um, then I could like break into that. And then I could be like, this is Musk money. And I could, and you, you know, can start distributing just, it. I could just start distributing it everywhere. Then that, that I would do that. God, I mean, a world without journalism, that is so crazy to think about that. Then it's just like, where does the obligation versus like desire conversation comes come in about like wanting to advocate for yourself? You know what I mean? Like, well, if no one's going to write about it, I'll just like, I'm just not going to do anything for Skin think, Owl today. I, don't think there, I mean, there, there, like, obviously there is places where there is no institutional journalism to be heard of and journalists are, are in peril. But I feel like in a way that like beauty is journalism is, is something that occurs it's like, you know, we tell stories, we want to know about people, we want to know about the things affecting us. So it finds a way. Yeah, I think. I think that's a beautiful segue. I, you know, I just, I, I know that there's a lot in here that probably, I don't know, I wish I could articulate and put into words, but I just want you to know how special you are to me. And not because you wrote a story about Skin Owl, that was my first, you know, so to, so to speak, taste of Rachel Brown. That sounds gross, but you get it. Um, but I, it's really just, it's just watching you move throughout this world and, and what you're writing. And, and even on the days that you don't, I'm sure, feel like writing, like you're still showing up. And that's one of the most courageous things, even if it doesn't feel like there's a lot of energy you know, behind it. Any, so, so it's nice. You were so nice to me, but like the one thing I remember is that I misspelled your son's name wrong. <laughs> so I misspelled your son's name, which makes me feel so terrible. I hate doing things. Let like me tell that. you what you are so. part of a very long line of people. I'm telling you, my <laughs> dear friends, this is a running joke with Micah, my husband, and I. Well, when it's we announced his name, spell, it, let I me tell you what it. it is fucking hard because <laughs> based on the six or seven people that we put on a text stream when we announced his name when he was born, everybody his name is Monty. Irving Golden Dash Grant. That's my husband's last name. I kept my last name. When we announced that to people, people were like, <laughs> people were like this, Montgomery Grant. What a great name. And we're like, well, what happens when we tell you the real one? Are you going to hate it? Like <laughs> nobody got it right. No. And every, it's just like, people are just making up their own thing. So the fact that you misspelled it is G rated. No, I, I, I mean, I should, that should not happen. Like I should check with you and then do it. And it, it like, you know, it pains me now. Like every, it pains me. I didn't like, even I just, remember I, that. No, I, I will remember that. Like, I don't remember much, but the mistakes I remember oftentimes and like things, doing things like that is like very painful to me. Like that will make me cry. Like I'll cry now. Cause I like made that mistake. Honestly, like, I, I, what if I told you, I didn't even know that that happened. I, well, I mean, it doesn't matter really because it makes like, like obviously humans make mistakes and stuff like that, but I hate making mistakes I know. in the stuff. And it's like, I used to want, I like, I don't have any tattoos because I'm like the most basic person ever, but I used to want to like tattoo my errors because like they are so painful to me. I feel them inside. Yes. Like, and, oh. um, you know, like anyways. So I get it. That's what I remember of our journey. <laughs> well, it's like, you know what, with all that you do, I get it. Like you do so much. So then like the mistakes are loud because like, you're just chugging, you're chugging, you're chugging. And so like, that's a very controlled environment. If you know that you are not stopping, then that's something that you can depend on <laughs> in a weird way. Like tomorrow I'm going to be working just as hard as I did today. And so like, that's my controlled environment. That's something I know to be true. Right. So then when you make a mistake, it like 
it like fucks with the controlled environment. It's like, that's not something that I'm allowed to do. But if you think about all that you're doing and the amount of mistakes that you're making, I promise you, I'm right. I'm right there with you. That it's that, you know, like, like I said at the beginning, I, I really like take, I don't like having sometimes having the power, like it's somebody's life that you are writing about. So when you make mistakes, like it's obviously mistakes are going to happen. And we probably happen every day. And most people probably don't even mention it to me. Like if I get something wrong or if I like spell a name wrong or something like that. Um, and people are probably like, eh, whatever, but like, you know, you're writing about somebody's life. So, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Like, I, I don't know, like it's, I get it. Like it, it is a, I feel like an oppressive amount of responsibility about it. And like, in that way, I like never, I've never fit for a journalist, even though I stick into yes. it. Like, and I keep doing it. Like, it was never a good fit for me. <laughs> like, and um, even my, like, you know, my very unsupported parents at the beginning were like, you're going to be a journalist. Like, what the hell? Um, you know, cause <laughs> I, I'm shy and I'm like, I, I like have too much, like I take things too personally. So, um, which are both uh, very bad qualities for a journalist. And like, I take like the mistakes really hard. Like they, my, my poor husband, like if, you know, yes, not would like, I, now I'm like going to have some huge mistake in like tomorrow's publication. Like I say, knock on wood, something like that hasn't happened lately. You know, then it's well, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, most thank goodness, like these types of mistakes go under the radar. Anybody who's reading right. that story, unless it's like a close friend of mine or like, yeah. you know, my parents, they're not going, oh, she spelled the name wrong. Nobody, nobody knows. These are like under the radar mistakes. I make those types of mistakes. I mean, it's almost like especially right. becoming a parent now where yeah. I had like, I think mom brain, I read this article and I, I hope it's true about that. It's actually like a physiological thing that happens. Like your brain isn't the same because you have this thing that you're worried for and fearful of and requires constant consideration and so like all of these other things get missed like the things that i miss now i'm like i don't even know it's like identity crisis worthy i'm like i don't even know who i am anymore if i literally put that in my calendar on a thursday when i specifically said on the phone to them monday but i just there i go putting it in the calendar on a thursday it's like it's mind-boggling the grace that i think we need to have for ourselves and the grace that i would want someone like i wouldn't want someone to yell at you about monty the name well, that, you know I mean, mean, they should, but the thing is that that's the problem with the problem. It's like the mistakes that I make affect other people and are in public. So that's a little different, but thankfully we have the web now. So it, it allows like when we, when, when it was always just print, that was like way worse. Like one of my editors, like, you know, there's so many examples, but like, you know, there was a story at the LA Business Journal that mentioned Ellen DeGeneres and they spell checked it and all the last names were degenerate in it, you know, and that was in print. So you couldn't like do oh anything about it. God, that's, that is an amazing story and an unfortunate so, yeah, thing you, for like, Ellen. Now at least, you know, I could change Monty's name very easily. Yes. So, um, well, that is, I I didn't even know about it. And if it, so it already was water under the bridge. And if (laughs) it wasn't, then it is now. I I I just, Um. (laughs) I adore you. I really do. And I, I, it's important for you to know that. And so I, um, the feeling is mutual. Thank you. Thank you, my Mm -hmm. friend. Is there anything you want to share before we take off here? Like, I don't know, things coming up for you or anything that you would, any other advice you would want to give that senior in the backseat of that sedan? I mean, if people want, they can reach out to me. If they want advice, I guess. I don't I don't like giving advice in general. Um, I also feel like it's too big of a responsibility. Um, but you know, I'm I'm around and I'm reachable for anybody, really. Rachel at beautyindependent.com, not very hard. And you know, yeah, yeah. I, I I try to help out where I can. Yeah, I think like I think my in my next one of the greatest things I think about the upcoming generation is, you know, reevaluating the way we work. And if I had to do it over again, I would carve out more space for other things. Like it's like, like you asked me like, what would I want to do? I can't think of it, but maybe it's because I feel like I've pushed out everything else in yes. my life. Yes. You know? That is real. Uh, like um, right now, like uh, when I was, before I got this job, I was doing more like volunteering and things like that and reading. I, I don't like read anything that's not related to work anymore. Um, so you know, I'd like to have more time for that. And I, I, I wish for other people that they have 
those things as well. Is there a book that you would want to read? Is oh there... my God, there's so many books that I want to read. There's like no book that I don't want to read. Is there um, one that's just like at the top of your list? Like, okay. I, I think right now I would just go for some, so like on this more sophisticated end, chiclet, like all the Jennifer Weiner books that I haven't read. Um, you know, something like that. I want to read like, uh, uh, warmth of other sons. I'm going to get the name wrong. Like I want to read all those books. I want to read like every book. I love reading, obviously, I guess. Um, and I just don't have no time for it right now. And I I like to just like veg out and watch TV too. So it's like, if I have any time, mostly I'll just like veg out and watch TV rather than like read right now. But because I just, also, yeah, it's well, like, it's the hierarchical, hierarchical scale yeah, of that. I mean, also, like, I can't get into a book because I don't have time to, like, like, ever since I started this job, I haven't read a book because I can't, I can't keep going on it. Like, I just don't have time. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, I like, I, I like, you know, all of the chiclet, um, all of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. As a, like, as a genre. <laughs> I so love I that. Read any of it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe some of that, it's just kind of like making it social and, and calling it out without being woo woo. Cause I think that woo woo stuff can go either way. Um, it, it's, it, maybe that will happen. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that you, especially <laughs> I, during I this. I hope it doesn't happen because journalism disappears tomorrow. I hope that's not the reason. Any, I'm not. I'm not yeah. crossing my fingers for that. I love. I love journalism, but I also want you to have rest because if anybody deserves it, it's uh, you. And you it's- too, as well. I mean, everybody. I mean, I think we're all very, very busy, and you can't. You can't turn off. You know, like you always have the phone with you. Yes. You know. I mean, I I worked from home prior to the pandemic, but people are now, you know, getting used to this you know, where their professional life is blurred into every aspect of their domestic life. Um, you know, so I'm wow, a little yes. bit used to that since I worked from home for seven years. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's for everybody. And I, it's, it is hard to create boundaries, like as much as it's advice out there, it's very hard to do. Yeah. And like rest, you know, I think we're all good at, I think we're all good at work and probably rest because you crash, you know, when you work how we work, but then it's like the play is always what's kind of missing like that sitting on a couch under a blanket, reading a book and like actually being able to do that for an hour. You know, it's like, that's why starting with television is so much easier because it's like, blop, just put it on no investment. Don't need to move my eyes anymore. I'm just going to receive this. And then like after three days of vacation, then I pull out the book. Right. It takes me yeah. like three days to decompress before I actually realize that I'm on vacation. And then the amount of time that I have more than three days to decompress. No, that's like non-existent. That's like, right, right. that's what right. a weekend yeah. is for. And then you're right back on it. So right. um, my wish for you is my wish for myself and for anybody else who's listening to this, you know, who just is burning the candle from both ends and, and is at this complex place of like wanting to still do what they're doing, but also like, I don't know. Like, I, I think the day that I give myself some rest is probably the day that I'm like, I'm not going to do Skin Owl anymore. And I'm and right. I'm open to that. Like, I've got to stay open to all of it because it's my life. So with that said, thank you thank for being you. here. We've talked for over an hour. This is so awesome. I, um, I, I always wish you the best and I'm just excited to stay your friend. And, and I'm going to think twice about bothering you about writing an article. I'm just going to be oh like this. God, no, no, please don't. No. <laughs> oh my God. Definitely not. I know. No, I'm kidding. I'm definitely kidding. Definitely not. No, I just want to. I, I hope that it did not come off that way. Everybody bother me. No, I I'm kidding. I'm open to being bothered. I try. I do. You know, I have 500,000 emails to get through. <laughs> but after that one. In 2024, you and yeah, I will have a lunch. After that one, yours, I will answer. No, seriously. I'm I, kidding. I, I, I try to answer everybody's emails. And I always tell people if they don't get me on the first time, they should try again. Because You're super they, fast on email for the I record. I try to be super fast because of the, like, I feel like if I'm not super fast, then I'm going to forget. Yes. Um, and then, you know, so I usually am super fast. So that's why I tell people if I'm not super fast, if I don't get back to you right away, get, try me again because, yes. because I somehow forgot because usually I'm like fast. Oh my God. People um, are going to, now that you, you've shared your email address, everybody out there. Oh, okay. No, I mean, please. I, I swear. Like I, I, I am accessible. Um, you are. And I want to be like, I, I'm around to ping. Yes. Awesome. 
Okay, you guys, this is Rachel Brown. It's Rachel Week. Uh, we're going to be sharing audio clips and all the things throughout this week um, as we detail this wonderful human's life and, and her work ethic and everything that we have talked about today. So if you love this episode and you love Off the Record in general, go to Spotify, go to Stitcher, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. Um, if not, that's cool too. Um, but subscribe if you love these episodes because I love talking to people and just hearing people's stories and um, and and I know that you guys too. It, it is it is just a dream to be able to detail people a little bit more than the internet allows. So uh, with that, I appreciate you guys. Go and visit us on skinowl.com. Uh, you can drop down to podcasts and see other episodes. And you can visit us, of course, on the old IG at skinowl and at off the record with you. And with that, uh, this is uh, during holiday time. So I wish you guys a beautiful Hanukkah, beautiful Christmas, beautiful Kwanzaa, whatever you guys are celebrating and we will see you in 2022. It's crazy. Year four of the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you so much, Rachel, for being here this week. Thank you. Bye, guys. Now it's just you and me. I respect your privacy. What happens here will never leave this room. So lock the door, put me in, put a finger to my lips. Because I can't say I've got what I would do. Off the record with you.